0: Also, besides my husband, the very first male guest that we have had on the Healing Herb podcast, which I don't know why, but that feels like a big deal for me because I was so intentional about reaching out to him and I just cannot wait to have this conversation. Welcome to the Healing Herb podcast. This is your grief expert and friend, Ashley Lemieux. welcome back to what i am so excited about for today's healing her podcast episode you guys i am in new york city right now and i usually don't start episodes out like this but i have to read to you something that today's guest has written because it was so impactful to me and i wanted to start this episode out with his words when you heal yourself you heal your lineage. Your impact will ripple through generations. The self-work that you do today will impact the way that your children and, children and their children and their children experience the world. I see you, cycle breaker. Keep doing the good work. Mikkel C. Clark. Welcome to the podcast today, and it is truly my honor to have you here with us.
1: The pleasure is mine thanks for having me and for braving this east coast winter <laughs> I,
0: know. I know it's like not even winter probably for you guys but i'm my phoenix blood is freezing mm-hmm. right now
1: Nah, this is this is winter to be fair it's <laughs> <is> winter anywhere
0: <laughs> so you guys michael is here with us today he is an author he's an entrepreneur he helps creatives be able to expand their purpose and if you don't follow him yet already on Instagram with his amassed 600,000 followers you for sure have seen his writing be shared somewhere at some point that's actually how I found you because someone many people along (laughs) the way have shared your words because you have this way of writing that It's like you take the things that we feel as humans and you put it into this condensed package version of that's how I feel. Oh, those are the words I've been searching for. Oh my gosh, this makes me feel so seen. And that's something that I love about the work you do. I I think that you make so many different humans from all different walks of life feel very seen and What I'm also so thrilled about is because you are such a great writer, you are now having your second book that just released. It's called (laughs) Eyes on the Road, which I want to talk about because I want to make sure that everyone gets their hands on a copy of that. But, you know, you have so much in your career that you are doing and have done. But today we're talking about something maybe a little bit different than that, that I know that so many people are going to resonate with, that I resonate with, that as a community, I get questions about a lot, and that is how do you navigate depression through parenthood? (sighs) That's a big exhale on this one. Very much so. So I would love to start with hearing from you of what has that experience looked like for you in parenthood?
1: Man, um, well, first and foremost, thank you for having me. It's just really good to be here and have to have these conversations. And I think that depression comes in layers and waves and cycles. And I think the interesting thing about parenthood, at least when talking to people, is some of the first questions I always get Are you know aren't you so happy isn't everything so amazing isn't it just the greatest thing ever and it it is to be clear I think parenthood is the best thing that ever happened to me. But oftentimes you know you find it you find yourself in a space where folks are expecting you to be happy and almost I think people like to live their lives through their parent friends sometimes and so we're almost. Expected to be this this beacon of happiness and hope and clarity and oh well share what you learned and you know talk us through this when it's like I'm a sleep deprived 33 <laughs> year old man who is trying to figure it out and for me a lot of it has been tied to trying to be the best father that I can be the best husband that I can be the best entrepreneur and writer that I can be. And none of these things are the sort of thing that I can feel good about putting a halfway effort into or achieving halfway results with. You know, like I can't, oh, well, I did my best and, you know, my daughter got hurt or my wife didn't feel heard or, you know, I didn't show up for however many folks read my stuff. Like these are all things that come with a degree of responsibility. And I am wildly blessed to have them all to be a father to be a husband and to be a creator to be a writer and (laughs) they take a lot out of you they're not things that you can kind of coast on or things you can just kind of halfway do because again people depend on me and so a big part of my depression is tied to my feelings of inadequacy I mean, you you know this. There's no manual. There is no guidebook for any of this. And to the quote you read, I stand on my parents' shoulders and I can see things that they have positioned me to see that they could not see because they were working so hard to get me to where I am. I'm working so hard to get Ada to where, you know, my parents haven't seen. They don't know what it's like to have, you know, a child to be in a bigger city to be high profile, et cetera. And it's never that I'm like better or smarter or wiser. It's that I have different opportunities and they both put me in position to have these opportunities and don't completely understand all that I experience. And so you get in a space where it's like, who do I turn to? Who do I talk to that I can be vulnerable with, that know me well enough to give me advice and that I can trust? And so it's a really interesting way to say that parenthood can surround you with people who wish you well, who want the best for you, and who just, they wanna share in the moments of happiness. And at the same time, none of those folks can make space for the sadness, for the depression, for the questions that you could never really answer, but you just want somebody to be able to hear you and say, I know what that feels like, and I've been through this, too. And sometimes you start looking around. I say it often. I look around for the adult, forgetting that I am the adult.
0: (laughs) Isn't that the wild part, too, is a couple weeks ago, my daughter got sick for the first time, and she kept asking for mama, and it was this really big realization for me that, oh, I used to call for my mama, but that's who I am. And I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out. And I appreciate so much everything that you just shared. Thank you. I know that talking about this, it's not easy and it can feel really vulnerable. And I appreciate your bravery in having this conversation. And I also hate that sometimes we kind of feel like we have to be brave to have this conversation, right? Like, I feel like, why does it take so much courage to talk about things that so many people are struggling with? Something that I talk to my therapist often about is what you just said. I have all these different roles. I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a wife, you're a husband, you're an entrepreneur, and when you were trying to figure all that out, now adding a dynamic of, oh, I'm a father, I'm a mother. How can I possibly give each thing the best of me? And then if I do that, where am I? What's left for me? What's left of me? And something that she tells me every time, and it's really hard, I think, especially as an entrepreneur because I don't know, you get excited about things, the work that you do also I know drives you, but my therapist always tells me you can have everything, you just can't have it at the same time. And for me, part of the anxiety, which I know is different than depression, but the anxiety that came to me from motherhood is trying to compartmentalize different aspects of who I am, knowing that I can't do it all right now at the same time and really having to dig deep and being okay with letting things go or just be tucked away for a moment so that I can prioritize where I'm needed right now. I'm wondering for you, was there a specific moment when you entered fatherhood that you realized, man, I'm actually feeling depressed, I wasn't expecting, to feel this way, or is depression something that you have felt throughout your life and it came back in a different form in parenthood? Or how did you reach this point where you were able to inwardly acknowledge, wait, I actually am not doing great right now?
1: I think that for the longest time, I allowed people to tell me that what was Mm -hmm. depression was actually Laziness and, oh, you know, yes. Yes. a lack of a desire to, to work hard enough for some other character flaw, right? I think individualism is a very, very harmful thing in a lot of situations because folks think that you can, you know, plan your way out of depression or that if you, you know, if you just try hard and, you know, become an extrovert, for example, to do different things that, again, aren't in your nature and you can't just pick up and do every day that, you know, the things that they're calling laziness or aloofness or being easily distracted or forgettable, those are actually traits of depression, which is a lot deeper than, again, just individual active personal choices. And so for me, it was, it was a gradual awakening. And um, you talking about your therapist reminds me I gotta find a new therapist because we just moved to Connecticut. And so I got to find me a new one. And so pray for that.
0: And I love that you brought that up because I think it can feel overwhelming. And a lot of people who know that they need extra support, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times can feel like they procrastinate because just the finding the next right step of, Mm -hmm. well, who can help me through this feels so overwhelming that it keeps getting pushed away. And then you just keep feeling worse so
1: oh absolutely yeah it's tough and I mean to be clear you don't want to just pick a therapist quickly like it's a code right. off the rack because you know uh, there is a therapist that can serve everyone but every therapist cannot serve everyone yes. and I think that is so so important to know but to your point before the therapist that I was seeing for the past couple of years she did a great job of helping me to understand what is in my control what is out of my control and the, the parts of things that are in my control that I can get help with, that I can get outside support from, which started with calling a thing a thing, right? Saying maybe you're not just struggling to get up every day. Maybe you're not just always choosing to be in a bad mood. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe it's fair to say that the inadequacy, the loneliness that you feel, the nuances of becoming a father during a global pandemic might be having an effect on your mental state. And so that kind of gradual awakening helped me to turn my overthinking mind. I'm a chronic overthinker. I think it's part of why I'm able to speak to feelings. Same, Um, I feel that so much. (laughs) Shout out to all the overthinkers. Oh man, bless you, bless us. (laughs) Bless us, I think. (laughs) But um, being able to understand that helped me to turn my overthinking brain away from this is all my fault. You know, I should blame myself for these things. And towards a constructive mindset, right? Where I can say, well, let me learn about depression. Let me explore the traits and see if these resonate. And um, one of my favorite things, because I don't always trust myself Mm -hmm. with, you know, being able to say like, am I depressed? I'll hear a doctor say it and be like, Maybe I am just lazy. (laughs) Mm. And that is, you know, my own things to undo and heal from. But what I can always say is, well, I'm displaying these traits. And so if I was depressed, I could do A, B, and C. You know, these sources say I should walk outside. I should get some fresh air. I should play with my daughter, have quality time with my wife. I should do gratitude journaling. And, you know, if I do those things, and they don't work for what I'm experiencing. they're still good things, and so i can <laughs> I can talk myself into choosing the forms of treatment, the things that will help me, the healthy habits, even if part of me is still fighting against what I know is true in the end.
0: I am so happy that you just brought this up because this is such a powerful thing that you just said. I feel like a lot of times, you know especially if you're taking that first step to go get help, you find a therapist or you go to the doctor and they're now introducing maybe a new a new concept of you might have depression or you might have anxiety. That can feel, at least for me, when that's happened for me, it's almost like, wait, what? Me? Are you sure? And when I heard that for myself the first time, I almost felt unfamiliar to myself. What I thought that I knew about myself was now there was a new suggestion to that. Does that resonate with you at all?
1: Yeah. And then you kind of go back and you re examine your life through yes. that lens, right? Yes. It's, it's it, weird. Yeah. It's
0: so weird. And so I think a lot of times too, it can be really hard for people when they hear that for the first time. Whatever, if there's a diagnosis or or if there's reasoning behind their feelings, even if that information can be so helpful because it opens a path forward to get to the place where we allow it to be helpful and not be shameful or not feel like we're afraid of it or we're being misunderstood or something, that can be a hard process to to find the acceptance for that. For me, there was grief in that. And I don't think people talk about this a lot because mental health is still just so taboo just across the board, especially you know, with men too, which is why I love that you, you talk about your mental health. But I think one of the reasons why it can feel taboo to talk about is that people are still trying to accept for ourselves that oh, perhaps I, I really do have anxiety. Perhaps I really do have depression. And what you said that I think is so powerful that can help so many people who are listening right now is you said, okay, well, maybe this is true. Maybe it's not. But if it were true, then what would I do in order to help treat it, to help myself feel? feel better and so I'm gonna do these things and either way, it's gonna be good for me. I love that. That feels like such a soft place to land to start finding steps to move forward. Were there other things that you did to help yourself, especially in your parenting, um, be able to navigate showing up to fatherhood and also working through the depression that you are feeling?
1: i think that a lot of what helps me in fatherhood is having other fathers to talk to mm. i got a group text it's just three of us but it's two other dads we're all in our 30s and just kind of figuring things out we're actually all writers or marketers in different ways as well and so we we get certain things like there's there's group chats where you might have just people you know loosely we're like hey let's do a b and c you know once a month then there's folks who you can kind of like bypass a lot of the bullshit, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're not prefacing your statements. I can text that group and be like, this shit sucks (laughs) at 11 o'clock at night, part of my language, but people who I can just come to and tell what I've been experiencing and tell what I've been going through, and I don't have to say like, oh, well, you know, I'm so thankful to be a father and my daughter is great and I love her and I'm trying and I'm not, I can cut that out and say, I'm having a really hard time right now. They can say, bro, I understand. I feel you. I've been there. Here's what helped for me. Here's what I see in you. And you know it's coming from an honest place. That group chat has been invaluable to me. Also, just, you ever just look at pictures of your kid and everything gets better? (laughs) (laughs) all <laughs> <Like, laughs> the
0: time and you just find yourself beaming and uh-huh. you're like how are you mine how yeah. do you exist with me
1: yeah. Yes. I, f- I frequently feel overwhelmed one thing i don't think i told you off camera i now know that i'm autistic i didn't know that to start this year and so that's another layer of self-understanding and you know i get frequently overwhelmed i feel sensory overwhelmed i feel a lot of just sensations that are hard for me to manage But if I can stop and watch a video of Ada laughing (laughs) or anything like that, my world gets better. And I'm able to look at things again through a different lens, which helps a lot.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. I love that you talked about both of those things that you do to, to help you when you're having a hard time. I think that when we can find, even if it's one person, like you said, there's three of you in the small group text mm-hmm. where we can find safe spaces for ourselves where we know we're not gonna be judged. Mm-hmm. It helps the shame fade. And I think it's the shame that prevents so many of us from getting help or talking openly. And I also think too, when you feel depressed it doesn't mean you're not grateful to be a parent it doesn't mean you don't love your child or your family or the work that you're doing and i think sometimes people intermix and i also think too just a lot of messaging that we hear on social media of gratitude can fix everything or just yes yes Mm -hmm. we can be grateful and also you could still feel depressed. Mm-hmm. Depression doesn't mean you don't love things that are happening in your life. And yeah. I think that's a big misconception also.
1: Yeah, like we can we can walk, tie our shoes, be happy, be sad, <clears throat> be resentful and be thankful at the same time. Like we can make space for all of those complicated emotions.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's kind of that first gate that we open into the healing journey. Mm-hmm when we allow ourselves to acknowledge that we do have all the emotions Mm -hmm. and then be able to sit with ourselves and figure out, okay, when I feel this way, what can I do next? What's that next step? And being able to coexist with ourselves and in a world where all of these emotions exist, instead of trying to numb them or pretend they're not there, is how we heal and find connection and That's what you're doing. And that's what you're helping so many people do. I would love to hear about Eyes on the Road because your new book just released. And I know that you spent three years writing this, which is a really long time. Why is this book important for you to release to the world right now?
1: I think that this book is important for me to release to the world right now because it is truly, it's the it's the most heartfelt thing that I've ever created. I, I kind of get emotional because I can look back and I can think about, oh, I wrote this page when I was angry. I was in the co-working space in Brooklyn and I was processing the death of what I thought was a friendship. Or, you know, I was up late at night. I wrote a good chunk of this book with Ada on my chest, you know, passed out. Between ten and twelve, ten, twelve at night. And so I think about, you know, when she was like a little baby, she was, you know, all of ten pounds and just passed out on me. It had been a long day. And I processed and I got my feelings out. And um, writing is how I make sense of the world. And so I made sense of my first few months of fatherhood with this book. I made sense of the loneliness and the the general weirdness of the pandemic with this book. And it is me processing the most eventful three years of my life. Became a husband, got married, navigated a pandemic, moved into a new career path. Like all these things happened in three years, Like really and big <laughs> life things in the last three years. You know, I don't, I don't take things too slow with this whole life thing, and so that feels really special. And I can look back and just, I think that the the intro um, in itself, it kind of, you know, back to the point of being a cycle breaker. I'm talking about the guidance that my father gave me, and how it set me up to be a better driver. For one, because I talk about how um, I got in three car crashes before I graduated no. high school. It was—I'm oh, the, no. sure their insurance, mom and dad. I'm sorry, <laughs> up your insurance rates have lowered since I left your house. But um, <laughs> I was talking about the overwhelm of. Remember when you first learned to drive and you're like, wow, there's cars to the left and cars to the right and stoplights. It's almost it's overwhelming. And to me, that's almost a metaphor for life, where with every chapter you move into new situations, you have new responsibilities and you have no idea what's going on. And I mean, your parents advice doesn't always make sense to you trying to figure it out. And, um, you know, you might struggle to apply what they're telling you, but eventually it makes sense. And you do kind of get better at navigating, you know, whatever's going on. And the best thing you can always do for yourself is to keep your eyes on the road, no matter what is flying at oh, you. Oh, so
0: good!
1: <laughs> no matter what is flying at you, what is happening around you, the best thing you can do is to control where you put your eyes, how you direct your actions, and what you do, what you think about. And so, by remaining present, you're a safe driver. You can navigate life and whatever it might throw at you. If you're living too far in the future, if you're looking too far ahead and a car stops, something pops up you weren't looking out for, you might crash, you might get frustrated, you might get angry. And if you're looking in the rearview mirror too heavily, again, like you're not going to be able to see what is in your path, you won't see the opportunities, you're gonna see regret, you're gonna see shame, you're gonna see guilt and all these things that again, won't keep you safe.
0: This is why so many people (laughs) look to you is because you're able to put words to all of our human experience. And I just thank you so much for doing this work because I know that it's not easy to do it, but there's something in you that keeps you going to keep giving us this gift. And I just thank you so much for that. Before we wrap up this conversation, which I wish that I could sit and talk to you for the (laughs) next like five hours, because you just, you're just an incredible human with so much realness, which it's hard to find in a lot of places. But I would love for you to answer this final question to anyone who's listening right now who feels like they are in the midst of a depression and they just don't know if it's gonna get better and they're not sure what to do next and they're feeling really overwhelmed. If they were here in this room with us right now, what would you want to say to them?
1: I think the first thing I would say is that you can acknowledge your fear and your frustration and your sadness without believing the lies they tell you. I call it being in a dark room. When you're in that dark room, you feel like you're the only person in the world who is going through what you're going through. You might feel like a burden. You might feel like nobody could possibly understand what you're experiencing and that those beliefs, no matter how powerful they feel in the moment, no matter how heavily they sit like on your shoulders, they are not true. And so I think the biggest thing I would encourage anybody who was experiencing, again, you know, depression loneliness sadness you know winter is here daylight saving time is it dark before 4 p.m don't let that darkness whether metaphorical or literal stop you from believing and knowing that there are more things outside of your line of sight that are happening that are beautiful that are incredible that are rooted in joy and love and that people do love you like we we lose touch we forget to follow up with people we do lose friends but there are people that love you who wants you to be well, you know, I think one of the best things you can do is to take that next step, you know, text one person, set up, you know, one phone call for therapist, write out your feelings. If you feel better when you work out, like, go work out. You know, whatever is the next step you can take to feel a little bit better, to feel a little bit more clear, that's an incredible thing to do. And I think you should allow yourself to do that. And You'll already be in a better place than you were when you were feeling what you're feeling right now.
0: Mikkel, thank you so much for being here with us today. You guys, I am linking his new book, Eyes on the Road, down in our show notes. Make sure you go grab it. I cannot wait to read my copy probably (laughs) all tonight before I go to bed. And I'm proud of you all for showing up here week after week because I know that this work isn't the easiest work to do it is the most impactful and i'm just proud of you i'm proud of us for showing up and until i see you again next week take good care of yourself i'm so honored you joined us for this episode of the healing her podcast where healing isn't just a destination it's an empowering transformative adventure make sure you subscribe so you don't miss brand new episodes each tuesday and if you're ready for more tangible tools Make sure you grab my best-selling book, I Am Here, wherever books are sold, or in the link in the show notes below. Take good care of yourself until I see you again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old.